Hey, my name is Sean, and I like learning about how things work and why. By day, I'm a designer and researcher, and I moonlight by interviewing exceptional people here on Promise. Every episode of Promise is an open-ended discussion on the idea of Promise itself. Whether that's the potential for success or the commitments we make to get there, Promise showcases tomorrow's heroes before they get famous. My guest today is Paulwin Devasundaram, co-founder of Medu. Paulwin has a software engineering background and started up Medu earlier this year as a SaaS tool for executive coaches. We discuss Paulwin's light bulb moment to focus on coaching, building an intentional but high growth company, enabling people to unlock their potential, focusing on the future of work, and what the world looks like if it all pans out. Please enjoy my discussion with Paul Wendefusundaram. Paulwin, welcome to the show. So you and I met via the Acquired Podcast community, where I took notice of what you were building and thought it'd be great to feature you and Madhu on Promise. So Madhu can very loosely be described as tooling for executive coaches, but uh, I'd love for you to give us your definition of what you're creating. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Sean. I can describe Midu. So Midu is a SaaS tool for coaches, and this is coaches operating in the career, personal growth, leadership, or transformational areas. Midu is a collaborative online safe space to help anyone apply coaching principles and gain deeper personal growth insights, accelerate the growth process, and reach new heights of inner development. And the tool is designed for a coach to collaborate with their clients and document and visualize that growth journey uh, so they can arrive at deeper insights to help their coaches better. Awesome. Thanks for the introduction. So let's talk about coaching. I grew up playing sport, a whole variety of sports. I've had a variety of sport coaches throughout my life, and I'm unfamiliar with what other kinds of coaches there are. So I'd, I'd love for you to enlighten me. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the sport analogy is actually a great place to start. If you think about coaches in sport and what they help people with, in a nutshell, they act as a mirror. So they're able to observe you as an outsider and help you understand areas where you can improve and thus achieve better performance in sport, whatever those areas might be. And a good coach often encourages you to think for yourself so that you arrive at your own conclusions and your own solutions and you, you thus have more agency and more attachment to those solutions that you have come up with. At least that's been my experience of sport coaching. Coaching with regards to personal growth or career growth or leadership is very, very similar. So coaches generally act as mirrors or they hold the space for you to explore your own thoughts, understand areas where you're perhaps not doing as well as you would like to, and they then help you arrive at or create a path 
to help you grow from there. So some of the techniques they use there are things like Socratic questioning, which is asking people a lot of why do you think that is, you know, a lot of whys to help encourage you to think things through. There is overlap, of course, between coaching and mentoring. Uh, So sometimes there can be a little bit of that mentoring aspect where they share their past experience with you or they might give you advice on how to proceed. But in general, coaching is more of that holding the space for you to grow and being that mirror to help you see yourself from a different perspective. So you've talked a little bit about what coaching is, but can you share any thoughts that you might have about what coaching isn't? Yep. One distinction that I would like to draw there is the difference between coaching and traditional forms of people management. So often in my experience and from hearing other people's experience, people management can be more of a uh, keeping track of how your work is going and assessing your performance. And it's <laughs> it's um, it can be quite intimidating in that sense. And so the relationship you might have with a manager um, can often be one that isn't equal, it's not very trusting, there isn't enough of a safe space to to actually help you grow in your career or as a leader or as a person. Whereas a coaching relationship is built on a foundation of trust, without that trust, the coaching will not work. So that's one of the key differences where you sit together with your coach as equals where you are talking through whatever challenges you might be facing and with the understanding that the coach is in your corner. They're not there to support anyone else during that session and through that coaching relationship. They're here to be in your corner and help you. Um This doesn't mean that they are just cheerleaders. They can be cheerleaders, but they do tend to ask you the tough questions. Like I said, holding the mirror means you might see things that you don't like. So it's not necessarily the most pleasant experience. Often it can be quite a difficult experience to look at yourself and be confronted by your own insecurities, your own gaps in your own skill set or gaps in communication, whatever that might be. It can be a tough experience, but it's one that's built on a foundation of trust. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I actually had a conversation yesterday with someone in one of my various online communities who is building a course for coaching. And I was wondering, how does someone actually become a coach? What's the process? Do they need certification or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, great question. So currently, as far as I know, in Australia and in the US, anyone can be a coach without needing to have certification. But having said that, quite a large number of coaches do go through the process of getting certified by an organization. There's one called ICF, the International Coaching Federation, which is quite well known. Uh, Sydney University has a coaching psychology unit where they offer a master's in coaching psychology. Uh, So people do a degree like that or a certification through an organization to understand the foundational principles that underpin coaching. Having said that, we've also seen that quite a large number of coaches have had traumatic experiences, for example, in the past, like significant traumatic experiences that really accelerated the process of growth for them. By getting past those challenges and that experience, they were able to grow so quickly that now they use that experience as a way of coaching and helping other people. 
Another cohort that we see is actually from sport, where people who have uh, been very successful in sport take up coaching as a way of bringing those principles over into everyday life and into career and life in general. So that's kind of what we're seeing. So in a nutshell, you don't need to have certification to become a coach. However, there is a large group of people who do take on those certifications or a degree to understand the principles and apply them and practice them through the process of getting the certifications. It's interesting you mentioned the athletes who take up coaching. I actually just recently read a book by Tim Grover, if you know Tim Grover. For anyone who doesn't, Tim is the personal coach for some Famous basketball players named Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. You may or may not have heard of them. Fascinating, fascinating book. The book is called Winning, The Uncompromising Race to Greatness. A really good read if anybody is interested in learning more about elite athletes and the kind of coaching that they undertake. So I am curious about your personal background and how that's led you to start up um, and do and focus on coaching specifically. Having had a look at your background, you work in tech and you've worked in tech for a long time as an engineer and not just in tech, but at two of Australia's darlings, basically. There's no other way of putting that. You've been at both Atlassian and at Canva. So how did you go from there into coaching? That was a great question, actually. What is that journey from being an engineer in tech to coaching and then building a product for coaches and to support the practice of coaching? I think the first thing is I've always been interested in people and what motivates people and understanding how to help people create the best possible life for themselves, the best possible career, the best possible relationships, the best possible friendships, and that best an amazing life. And the one thing that really clicked for me was the coaching that I received when I was at Canva. So Canva has an internal coaching team who support the entire company and they sit outside of the traditional management roles. They are an internal coaching team who have very confidential, very trusting relationships with anyone who needs that coaching support. Um, what I discovered was through having those coaching sessions and being able to self-reflect, I was able to grow a lot more quickly as an individual and as a leader. And having struggled with things like anxiety, negative thought loops and depression in the past and having tried a few things to help resolve those, one of the really interesting side effects of the coaching or maybe, you know, an intentional outcome, but to me it felt like a side effect at the time, was just the fact that I had better tools to navigate anxiety and other mental health issues. And outside of Canva, I also discovered that managing my health and maintaining my health was a, a tricky journey again. I think this is something many people can probably relate to. I would go through these bursts of being very active and being very healthy and then slowly fall off that. And it was always kind of this up and down cycle. So outside of work, I discovered coaching for health as well. And through that, I was able to, again, build up this tool set that would help me reach a level of health that uh, felt sustainable, that meant I could continue to stay healthy without feeling any sort of guilt of 
oh, I haven't done my 10,000 steps today or I haven't run 5K today. Oh, I missed the, <laughs> I missed my streak, things like that. And the coaching really helped me understand what works for me and to create that personalized and tailored toolkit that, that helps me be at my best every day. So that's how I got interested in coaching. And then the other side of it is startups and being an entrepreneur. Um, over the years, again, I have always been interested in building something of my own. I just love the feeling of creating something that people use and it helps solve a problem or it helps make their lives better. I've loved that feeling. So I've always wanted to do something of my own. I uh, tried doing it a couple of times in the past, but I couldn't build enough conviction to keep going with that idea. So late last year, when I was in between roles, I started thinking, okay, the time feels right now to start building something again. And then through that process of thinking, I realized, I thought back to my coaching experience, and I realized that there was a lack of tooling for coaching. There are admin tools, there are marketplaces for coaching, but when you think about the kind of tools that a UX product designer or an engineer has in their day-to-day, -day, there is not that level of depth in tooling for coaching. So that's how I got started thinking about what can we build here? What can we do to give back to this coaching community that I have gotten quite a lot from? and then decided to build a tool in this space. My partner, Allard, is a UX designer. So the first step was to chat with him and try to pick apart the idea and convince him to join me. And he agreed after a lot of due diligence and asking a lot of questions. <laughs> so that was the first step towards building Mudu. That's right, actually. I only introduced you as a founder, but really you're a co-founder alongside your partner. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what was the conversation like to get them on board? Because it wasn't their idea. And I'm guessing they probably didn't have the same experiences that you've had with coaching. So can you talk us through what that was like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've been together for a few years now, and he's also been very interested in creating a startup and building something of our own. So we have talked about this over the years, and we have discussed it quite a bit over the years of building something together. And it always boiled down to building conviction. All the ideas that we had over time, Alad even had this notebook with product ideas, <laughs> startup ideas, but we couldn't build conviction on any of those. In one case, we did build a beta product and we did test it with a number of people, but we could just couldn't build enough conviction to go all in and continue working on it. So this conversation was a little bit of a reversal of roles in a sense because he's generally been the ideas person and I've been more of the okay let's do it how do we do it that's what I bring generally so in this case it was a reversal of roles in that this was my idea and what was great in the early days was just um not putting too much pressure, just talking through the idea from all angles, right? Like, what are the other products that exist out there? Let's go and talk to a few coaches, see what they think of something um, along the lines of what we want to build. Let's try and mock up some prototypes and then see whether that resonates, what parts of it resonate. That, that was quite fun to do before we decided to go all in. We did research, we tested prototypes, we did a design sprint to explore the whole solution space as 
best we could. And then we also thought through the business side of things. Is this a big enough market for us to be able to build a tech company and a high growth tech company at that? So we did a lot of research on the market, whether it's growing, is it a shrinking market? And what we observed and what we read gave us enough confidence that this was not only something we had strong conviction on, but also uh, a growing market. Coaching is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. It's a big enough market for us to build a product and a tech company from. Awesome. That is a great segue into talking more about Madhu, actually. So the first question that I have, is there a story behind the name? Yes, there is a story behind the name. It's interesting that a lot of people ask this. And (laughs) at the time when I came up with the name, I didn't think about whether people would ask for the story behind the name. I came up with the name basically in a couple of hours, one early morning. Early mornings are a good time to think. They're a very creative time for me. My criteria were that it needs to be two syllables (laughs) and it needs to be memorable. That was my criteria. And then finally, I decided, well, if the name had some history or a story behind it, that would be even more amazing. And so I was thinking about the kind of feeling and the kind of product that we want to build. And one of the things that came to mind was this idea of living intentionally and living a slow life, which doesn't mean you're not achieving things or being productive. It just means that every moment and everything you do is intentional. So I am originally from a part of India called Tamil Nadu, which is in the south of India, where we speak a language called Tamil. It's one of the older languages in the world. And in Tamil, the word medu means, or it's the root word for slow or gentle. So I decided I would use that as the root. And I played around with that root word for a bit and decided, okay, Madhu sounds like a good name. It's two syllables (laughs) and it's memorable. And then just shared that around with a few people, got good feedback on the name. And so that was it. We settled on the name and yes, then had to find the domain and all of that, of course. But (laughs) that's the story behind coming up with the name. That's really nice pulling in your heritage into the work that you're doing. You've talked about what Madhu is for and who it's for. And I'd like to cover the start of this journey when you were validating your ideas, right? And reaching out to various coaches to talk about whether or not the solution would be useful for them. What were those conversations like? Yeah, that's also a great question. So the first thing I did was to reach out to coaches that we already knew. And we tried to have an open-ended conversation with them. Um, because we didn't want to lead them along. So this is because we had observed that there was a gap in tooling, but that was mostly from being coached or being a coachee. The way it started was me thinking about, oh, I've had all this amazing coaching, but I have no record of it. I have no way to go back to it and analyze it again, you know, refresh my memory, think about it again and perhaps bring that into another coaching relationship that I might have in the future. So because I felt that problem personally, 
and I saw a gap. We didn't want to go into these conversations with that as the start. We still wanted to keep those initial conversations as open-ended as possible. Allard is much more experienced in this area than I am, being a product designer, done UX research and things like that. So we tried to design those conversations to be open-ended, where we tried to explore their coaching process, and then we tried to dig into each step of that coaching process and understand whether they saw any pain points or areas that could be much better than what they were doing right now. Initially, I think we spoke to about 10 to 15 coaches in the first three months or so. And then we understood that there were patterns in what they were saying. So from those open-ended conversations, took a lot of notes, tried to analyze the patterns, and then got them to introduce us to other coaches in their network so that we could keep that loop going. And we were trying to build on those relationships that we had going as well. And now that we're rolling out our beta product, it's such an incredible feeling to put the product in their hands that they talked to us um, eight, 10 months ago. And now they can try it out and give us much more tangible feedback and to see it go from that idea to a product has been an incredible journey. Congratulations on getting to beta stage, by the way. Thanks. I should add that that was just the initial cohort of coaches that we talked to. Overall, we've done like one-on-one interviews with over 60 coaches. And um, yeah, I think we've spent more than 100 hours in the interviews and many more hours analyzing the outcomes of the interviews. Speaking of all of the coaches that you've spoken with, how do you think you'll do sales and marketing towards coaches as you grow this? Great question. (laughs) I feel like I'm speaking to a potential investor. (laughs) Yes, great question. So with marketing, we've explored a few things so far. One of the principles that we want to try to follow is that we want the marketing to be as organic as possible. We want the growth to be as organic as possible. So with that in mind, we've experimented with content and SEO a little bit over the past few months. And in the coming months, we'd like to double down on that because content and SEO take time to show results. So we want to start sowing the seeds. And the reason we want to focus on content and SEO as our two pillars is that we think there is room for high quality, reliable content around coaching. Um, In particular, bringing coaches and coaches or clients together. So that's the theme of our product as well as our content. We want to bring them even closer together through our content, through our product, through our community. So content and SEO is our big focus. However, we know that in the early days, you kind of need to do unscalable things to get to a certain level of scale. So quite a lot of our process is very high touch with the founders at the moment. So Alad and I, um, are in contact with the coaches who we are onboarding onto our beta. We know almost every single one of them personally at this point because we've (laughs) spoken to them so much. And so there's quite a bit of founder-led sales happening as well right now. And then we've already seen that they are very happy to give us referrals. Most of the coaches have given us referrals to coaches in their network. And so we'd like to keep that referral loop going as well. That's how we are starting. And then towards the beginning of next year, middle of next year, we'll look into exploring some other marketing channels, depending on how we go with the ones that we're trying out now. Awesome. Just a little bit before you spoke about the idea for this tool, coming from your personal experience of being a coachee. 
and the market that you're aiming for are the coaches themselves. So I was wondering if you've had any feedback from the clients of coaches or other coaches on the success or if there are any pain points within what you've built so far. Yeah, another great question, Sean. <laughs> um, yes, so I mentioned all the interviews we did with the coaches. I should add that we did a number of interviews with coaches as well. Not as many, but we did do quite a few with coaches. And while we're just starting to onboard uh, both coaches and coaches onto our beta, I have personally been using Medu to coach a few people in my network. And so through them, we've been able to understand that, yes, the tool, even though it's quite early, it does help them. Um, one, it helps create a better mental model for them of their coaching journey. And two, it helps them uh, note down things that come to mind as they go through their day to day. So they can quickly put that down into the journal so that it's captured and it's it's not lost and then the next coaching session that you have it can be discussed during the session and the other part is tracking of progress so that was another area where again I felt that personal pain coaches had validated that and now we're seeing validation from coaches as well that the updating of progress is quite valuable in seeing your growth or whether you're taking steps backward and then what's happening during that time period of whether you are moving forward or if you are taking steps back. Okay, cool. So you've spoken about uh, reaching out to many dozens of coaches, about 60 or so coaches, right? They will, I assume, all have their own individual ways of working. And you mentioned there were commonalities. Did you design around those commonalities or is the tool pretty flexible for them to work as they wish and they don't need to change the way they work to fit Medu? Yep. We have tried to design specifically around those commonalities to start off with, but you are absolutely right in that coaches have uh, their own sort of individual ways of working. And the way that we thought about the tool was in the early days, if we can find enough commonalities to support through the tool, then we can cover quite a lot of what they're looking for. And then as the product and the business grows, we'd like to build out feature sets that will support their individual ways of working. So one of the cool things, and this I believe is one of the reasons why coaching works so well, is that it's a tailored personalized experience. It's not a cookie cutter experience because it's so personalized, it's so individual. That's why it works so well. So the tool needs to support that. We don't want the tool to force something on people where that's not the way they work and it doesn't make sense for them. We want the tool to be able to support that individual personalized experience, which we know is quite hard to do. So this is why the iterative process that we're taking to build Medu, we hope will get us to a point where we can see that the tool is opinionated enough to support the foundational principles of coaching, but also is flexible enough that people can still have that individual personalized tailored experience. Okay. Now I'm curious about the user experience of Medu. It sounds like, yes, there is a problem where engagement and progress tracking sort of falls off in between coaching sessions. But for someone such as yourself or myself who might be extremely busy, have you had any feedback around Medu becoming, oh, it's just another thing that I have to keep track of. It's an additional workload. Has that ever come up? 
Not so far, but I totally get where you are coming from. And we don't want Medu to be a tool that's getting in your way, sending you tons of notifications, causing guilt because you haven't put in an update that you said you would. That's absolutely not what we want to do because that doesn't help with the growth process at all. Even in the early days, we've consciously tried to design the product so that you as a coach or a coachee or together, you make a conscious choice to say, we agree that it would be good for you or for us to do this activity or a check-in in between sessions. And we're going to put a reminder in our calendars at a time that we think is suitable. And that's when we can do that activity or check-in. So instead of push notifications that are basically nudging you, we want to try and build in choice and consent into the tool. But having said that, it is a tricky problem, right? If you want to keep people engaged, you do need to sometimes grab their attention. So how do we create a tool that doesn't cause that stress and doesn't become yet another thing, but is there for you whenever you need it? Um, I know I'm speaking a little bit vague at the moment, but this is absolutely a design problem that we are trying to figure out. Um, And one of the conscious choices we made was things like, well, you have to choose to put a reminder in your calendar it's not going to automatically just put something in there or automatically keep reminding you of things Um, but having said that it's early days we need to experiment quite a lot with what we want to do there's a lot of iterations before we get there and then just to finish that off one of our core grounding values which we're using to build Medu is that we think that there are a lot of tools, a lot of apps out there that just take from us. They take our attention, our time, our data. We don't want Medu to be one of those tools. Um, we want to build a tool that really augments that personal growth, that human growth process, and is not there to take your attention, take your data, and make a profit out of that. Really purpose-driven. I love it. Okay, I'd like to move on to like the future of Medu. We've spoken about how you've got to where you are and the challenges that you're facing, all of validation work that you've been doing, and the things that you're learning as you go along. Looking towards the future of Medu, you've recently just raised some money via Afterwork Ventures. Uh, congratulations, by the way. I am curious what the choice was between bootstrapping Medu going forward versus taking some venture funding? Yeah. So initially, in the early days, uh, we were planning to bootstrap and we were planning to build to an MVP or a beta and then see what the adoption was like, what the growth of the product was like before deciding whether we wanted to raise money. But then we were part of the Afterwork community. As you know, Afterwork is a community-powered fund. We'd been part of the Afterwork community at that point for a few months. So we were familiar with how Afterwork approached deals and how they thought about investments. And we were also really impressed with that community model where everyone pitches in, whether it is to help with deal flow or due diligence or chatting with founders and helping them through any challenges they might be facing. Everyone in the community pitches in, which we were very impressed by. While we were 
working on Medu in the background, trying to decide whether we should go all in and at what point we should. After work reached out to us to explore whether we would be open to an early investment. And the thing that really helped us decide was the fact that After Work was uh, this community powered fund with a strong community behind it. So it wasn't just about the money that they brought to the table, which is of course super valuable and important, but it was also the fact that we could rely on this amazing community of people to help us and whose knowledge we could tap into. Uh, So that really tipped us over. And then we were quite lucky in that we got a great bunch of investors together who were all interested in the space. So they were not only looking for a cool startup to put money into, but they were genuinely interested in this space. And they believed that there is a product that needs to be built here and will create a better world for having this product. Speaking to those investors and seeing their interest and passion in this domain was another factor that really helped us make that decision. So looking forward, you've already done like a mountain of work, like you said, hundreds of hours interviewing a variety of coaches as well as coaches. That's a lot for just yourself and your partner and co-founder. And even though you've got complementary skill sets and being dev and design, any thoughts on expanding the team in the near future? Yes. So what we're thinking to do, depending on, again, how our beta release goes, we would like to raise another round and then hire a team full time. One of the reasons why we want to raise another round before we do that is because we want to give people as good a level of security as we can. We would hate to have people join us full time. And then six months later, we are in a tricky position and we have to let them go at this early stage that can be devastating for a startup and for the people involved as well, because generally the people who join such an early stage company are passionate, they believe in what you're building, and they're not just there for uh, the pay generally. So that's why we'd like to raise another round and be able to give people a some level of security before we hire anyone full time. So that's going to be our focus for the next few months. Okay, well, the best of luck to you in raising the next round. Speaking of potential hires after your next round, actually, you mentioned earlier, way back at the start of this conversation, that coaching is not the same as people management. And Afterwork has mentioned in one of their articles about the future of work is that coaching might replace people management. So it seems like Medu could be a platform to help usher in that possible future. Do you think that's also going to be the case? Yes. <laughs> that part in the Afterwork blog is what our long-term thinking is. Um, so just taking a step back about coaching and people management, I think when I said that it's different to people management, what I meant was it's different to traditional forms of people management in the sense that often there is that not so trusting relationship between managers and employees. There is this aspect of keeping track of what you are doing and assessing your performance rather than supporting you through growth. And we know that 
quite a lot of people are unhappy with that kind of relationship. The manager relationship is a very important one. And that kind of distrust in that relationship can be really stressful. However, looking at coaching, we can see how it's a more trusting relationship. It's built on foundations of trust and it's the coaches in your corner helping you grow. And that's a much more effective way of supporting people through change and helping them create lasting change. We are already starting to see this trend in the tech industry where not only do companies have internal coaching teams, but they are also starting to encourage managers to apply coaching principles to people leadership. And coupled with the fact that quite a lot of productivity tracking, in a sense, can get automated, we believe that there's not going to be a need for managers to be tracking productivity and that's going to be automated away so what that leaves us with is having that empathetic human connection which is the core of coaching and we believe that that will become the primary role of people managers in the future so essentially traditional forms of people management will evolve over into coaching relationships rather than manager relationships okay cool All right, we're heading towards the end of the discussion now. I am very curious about your thoughts on this. So you've kind of alluded to it already, but on the one hand, you've looked at the word midu as being gentle, intentional, at the same time as having the company potentially becoming like a high-growth startup, and also looking at coaching slowly taking over traditional people management. So I'm very curious, in your opinion, if everything goes right for you, what do you think the world looks like? Ooh, big question. If everything goes amazing, I'd love to see Midu used in every organization as part of every coaching or coaching type of relationship. I would envision it to be this tool that people know is in their corner, in through their life, they can take the tool with them from one coaching relationship to another as they grow. They can take it through their career, they can take it through their life, and it's their constant companion that's helping them grow and evolve. Growth doesn't stop. <laughs> if you stop growing, you are dying, essentially. We see growth as that constant progression, and we see Midu as being that constant companion through that entire process in your organizations and in your daily life. So that's if everything goes well. <laughs> um, and I just want to touch on what one of the things you mentioned as well of um, how do you sort of square this idea of a slow, intentional life and a tool with a high-growth technology company. (laughs) Um, One of the theories that I have is that a high growth tech company doesn't necessarily mean that you have to grow your team at the same rate that your business or product is growing. I think that there are lots of problems that come with blitzscaling your team in the same way that you would scale your product. People don't scale that well. So one of the things, again, depending on how things go, and hopefully they go very well, is that we'd love to experiment and explore that idea that you can absolutely build high growth tech company with an amazing product, but not have to grow your team at an unsustainable rate where you are tripling your team in size every six months. Like that doesn't sound sustainable to us. And that goes against this idea of what we are building. And hopefully with all of the coaching that Midu supports in the future, you'll help unlock the potential of 
whole variety of people who might otherwise not have their potential unlocked. Yes. Yes, and also to reach new levels of growth that we perhaps never thought was possible. All right, so to start wrapping up the conversation, looking at all of these lofty goals, right? It, quite frankly, sounds like a lot of work. So what's something that you'd be willing to, I guess, make a promise to yourself or to your partner or to all of the future coaches? What's something you're willing to say, all right, I'm going to do this, to help get to that future. Yeah, I think this is one of the best promises anyone could ever make to anyone else is to show up every day and be consistent no matter what. And that is quite hard to do when you are in these early days where the business, the product, the company is quite vulnerable. It's like an infant, a baby. <laughs> so it's quite vulnerable. Getting past the challenges that you face, getting past whether those are external struggles, internal struggles, whatever that might be, getting past them. And even when you feel like you are not making that much progress, showing up every day and being consistent. So that's the promise that I would want to make, that this is something we believe in so strongly that we will show up every day and we will give our best every day. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll wish you guys the best of luck, both for the upcoming raise as well as the future that you might look to build. I've had a really good time with this conversation today, Paul. I hope you've enjoyed it too. And I'm wondering if you'd like to check back in in six, 12 months or so just to see what to do is up to at that point in time. Yes, would love that. And likewise, I've really enjoyed this conversation. You've asked me some questions that made me think from a different perspective to what I've been thinking about things. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, would love to chat again. No problem. Just for anybody else who's listening, there's any socials or anything you'd like to share for people to reach out to you if they're interested to find out more about Midu. Yes, absolutely. Our website is midu.life. That's M-E-D-O-O dot life. And we're active on LinkedIn. That's one of the platforms where we are most active. And if you search for Medu, you should be able to find us. And finally, I guess for any coaches listening to the podcast, please check out our website, join our waitlist if you're keen to try out the product. We'd love to share the product with as many people as we can. We're also on Instagram as midu.life. We post some inspirational content, product updates on Insta. So please feel free to follow us there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paulin. Thanks, Sean. This was awesome. This was a pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode of Promise. Be sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Do you think you or someone you know would have ideas worth sharing? Send me an email to sean at promise.fm or DM me on Twitter at sean underscore AHD. Otherwise, stay tuned, subscribe, and learn what it's like before the success when what we've got is promise.